Warning, this podcast features graphic content that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Nightmare Society, and welcome to another episode of True Horror Stories. Some of you may have noticed the different thumbnail for this episode, and that is my best friend's cat. And her name is Monkey. She's a hairless sphinx, I believe. I lived with her for a few years, and she's quite the character. Anyways, she started a GoFundMe yesterday for Monkey because she has some medical issues and was looking at an overwhelming decision, and I know many of my listeners are animal lovers, so I wanted to share that. However, Monkey sadly passed away this morning, so instead of a, hey, my friend's cat needs some help if you'd like to jump in for a cause episode, um... This is just going to be an episode in honor of Monkey. So we're going to listen to some stories starring cats because, believe it or not, they are great. My wife and I have a cat named Ralph, and we're also actually fostering some right now, accidentally slash on purpose. Uh, We have a mom and two kittens who've set up shop in our garage because people around here don't care about getting their animals fixed, so... Anyways, fix your animals, people, please. Anyways, um, a big thanks goes to our contributors who make this whole thing possible. User not Sherry Papini, user SeaTac, S-F-O-L-A-X, user HalfJag0212, user Mother of Cats 94, and user Adhara27. I'd also like to thank Kyler G for joining our Patreon and Tammy DC for upgrading her membership to our $5 a month tier, where you get bonus episodes, early release, and commercial-free regular episodes, and all that good stuff. So thank you guys, and if you are interested in supporting the podcast, you can check us out on patreon.com slash nightmaresociety. Links are in the description. Also, check us out on Instagram at Nightmare Society Radio. One last note, we are a weekly podcast, typically, uh, distributing every Thursday, so it's available on most pod streamers, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, etc., etc. If you can play a podcast on it, we're probably on there, so... Um, please subscribe. Also, if you're on YouTube, head over and subscribe to our channel as well. And yeah, that's it. Finally. Now, get comfy and prepare yourself for another episode of The Nightmare Society. about a mile from my house in a pretty small town, around 100,000-ish spread out. I grew up in one of the largest cities in the States, so living here has been a bit of a culture shock. 
It's very easily accessible by walking, so I never drive. About a half a year ago, I finished work around 1am. Nobody is really out past 8pm here. A huge shock coming from a big city. Though the park I walked through was utterly deserted. I live in one of the safest countries in the world. Not America anymore. So it's easy to forget just how vulnerable I still am as a small female. I honestly didn't feel comfortable at any point of my walk until I rounded the corner past some basketball courts nearby my house. I was still about two minutes away from home and this stretch of my walk was completely dark. The moon was massive that night. While I had welcomed its light at the beginning of my journey, in the absence of streetlights it actually made things look pretty eerie. I had walked this path hundreds of times, but tonight something felt off. I'm not a fearful person in any sense of the word, but I was really on edge suddenly. Then I saw it. A van in the parking lot next to the courts, with its side door open. I picked up my pace and kept an eye on it. There are usually cars in that parking lot. I live in a tourist town and backpackers often stay in their vehicles to save money. I'd never seen one with its door hanging open like that in the middle of the night, though. I was so focused on the van that I missed the man walking out from the trees near the courts until he was a mere 30 feet behind me. He was walking fast and there was little doubt that he was heading straight towards me. I was at a loss for what my next action should be. Screaming wouldn't do much. I was still too far away from any residences. I usually carry a glass water bottle with me for protection. We have very strict laws on weapons. But had left it at work that night. My phone was dead. And as stupid as I feel saying this, I hesitated running on the off chance that he didn't mean to act sketchy. I've moved past this mindset overall, but there is still this strong part of me that balks at the prospect of making someone feel uncomfortable or embarrassed. I also hate showing men that I feel scared of them because even if they hurt me, I'd rather not give them any satisfaction of seeing my fear. I also knew I could not outrun him. I also overthink everything. I saw a little dark blur darting across the library parking lot at the back of the courts. It didn't even register to me what it was. The whole situation was so surreal. The guy was behind me now and judging by his footsteps he had not veered off course. I quickened my pace, felt out my keys in my purse and slipped them between my fingers. I heard a slight jingling noise and everything suddenly made sense. The blur was Apollo, the large black cat that often walked me home on that stretch after the park. Tonight he was doing that weird cat run, where they get really low to the ground with their ears back. I had an impression that he was angry, but he was moving far too fast for me to see his face properly as he rushed past me. I kept walking, but the heavy footsteps were retreating now. I didn't dare look back and kept moving forward quickly. Apollo was suddenly by my side, still staying low to the ground and stopping every few feet to look behind him and hiss. Then he would do that weird cat run to catch up with me. He walked the whole way home with me, as he had done so many times, but I had never seen him act like that. As we neared my gate, he visibly relaxed and flopped on his back. I coaxed him inside the gate before giving him some massive hugs and head bumps. I stopped walking home by myself at night and still saw my sweet little cat friend often. I never saw him behave that way again, though. 
Apollo moved away three months ago. I still miss my little buddy and often think about how strange that night was. I wish I had turned around to see him chase the guy off. I've heard so many stories about dogs protecting people, but rarely about cats. My own little girl would never do anything like Apollo did. So, parking lot creeper, let's not meet. And Apollo, I really do hope to meet you again. I live downtown in a college town. The area I live in isn't exactly perfect, but it's right across from a junior high school, so I thought my neighborhood was safe enough. After my experience two nights ago, I don't think so. I worked till late, three or four in the morning, but this night I hadn't. Around an hour before I would be getting home from work, around 2.30am, one of my cats starts going ballistic. This woke me up. I have two cats. One of them has cerebellar hypoplasia and is disabled and can't walk well. The other cat was the one bouncing by the door. She was shrieking. At first, I didn't go near the front door. I wasn't expecting anyone. But then when my disabled cat started joining in on the kitty chorus and went to the door, I knew something wasn't right. Then I hear a light tapping. Not quite a knock, but loud enough that if someone was home, they would notice. A few moments later, I hear someone jiggling the doorknob and putting something in my lock. I immediately ran to the bathroom and turned on the lights. As soon as I did so, a car horn starts blaring. The person who was at the door, presumably picking my lock, ran into the car. I was able to get a slight look at it, but not good enough to do any good. If my cat had not freaked out, I wouldn't have known my apartment was getting broken into. She got lots of cuddles and treats. So, people trying to break into my apartment. Let's never actually meet face to face. This happened to my mom and I get chills every time she tells me the story because it was such a close call. My mom was in her early 20s, so this would have taken place in the late 70s. She lived alone in a rather crappy apartment not too far from Atlanta and was more or less a party girl who dated a lot of guys she met at clubs. She met a guy when she was out partying at a bar. She thinks it was called Penrods. And I guess they hit it off because they exchanged numbers and decided to go out together again sometime. This is how she described it. I had seen him around the bars quite a bit and was smitten because he was movie star good looking. Tall, dark hair, fit, nice skin as I recall. He asked me out for that Friday and got my contact info, but I don't think we really talked much that night. At this point I should mention her cat, Tommy. He was a slim, solid black stray she had taken in, and apparently he was the best cat ever because he loved my mom tremendously. He would wrap himself around her shoulders and go with her on car rides, hang out with her all the time, basically do a whole lot of really cool cat stuff like that. He was also very jealous and protective of my mother, so whenever the phone rang, he would throw himself on top of it so she couldn't take her attention away from him. 
he'd jump onto the newspaper when she was reading it because it, too, distracted my mom from paying attention to him. Anyway, date night rolls around and my mom is really excited for her guy to show up because, allegedly, he was really hot. However, when he got there, Tommy went nuts. This cat was usually really friendly and affectionate, but he lost his stuff when the guy came inside. For the short while the guy was there in my mom's apartment, Tommy glared at him, growling menacingly with huge dilated pupils and all his hair standing on end. Of course, my mom was humiliated because Tommy was making her date nervous and more or less getting in the way of them. She sat there petting Tommy, hoping he would calm down. The date night conversation was going nowhere and the guy started to act more and more tense and uncomfortable. My mom wasn't sure if he was weirded out by the cat or if the two of them were just not making a great connection. Either way, her date was being very quiet and awkward, but he also didn't seem to want to leave. It's also important for me to mention that mom's date neatly dodged any questions about where the two of them would be going that night. She says he was non-conversational and appeared to be almost annoyed by her, like he didn't want to be there. She remembered feeling very self-conscious and awkward, like maybe he had decided in the better lighting that she didn't look so good. It got awkward just sitting there waiting for him to tell her what he had planned for the date, and not even talking. Then out of nowhere, Tommy launched himself at the guy's face, and just started going to town on him, screaming and tearing at his flesh like he was out for blood. My mom quickly ripped Tommy off the guy and scolded him, apologizing profusely. All of a sudden, the guy made up some painfully obvious lie about how he suddenly needed to leave and seemed inappropriately angry at my mom. They never ended up going out or even talking again. A few days later, my mom was telling a co-worker about her date, leaving out the part where Tommy mauled the guy's face. She more or less wanted to brag about how hot the guy was and happened to mention his name. The co-worker went absolutely chalk white and explained to my mom that two or three women had recently come forth and pressed charges against that same guy for date rape. Apparently, he had met them at some local clubs and committed the acts when he took them out on individual dates. I guess he left my mom alone because Tommy had made such a huge scene. And I guess Tommy had sensed the guy's intentions and wanted to protect my mom at all costs. Either way... He sounds like an amazing cat and could have saved my mom's life. September 1978, serial killer Rodney Alcala appears on the dating game. February 1994, 34 hospital workers are exposed to an unexplained toxic lady. March 2022, Experian emails a Los Angeles podcaster about a mysterious credit score change, completely unjustified. Wait, and- did we cover that? I mean, we could have. I said it was mysterious. Okay, we're Ghost Town, and we cover true crime, paranormal, and other weird history. The cult of Capital One. <laughs> but here's one more date. July 2018, a trailer drops for a new podcast called Ghost Town. Over 300 episodes later, Later, we've covered everything from the Los Feliz murder house to the Noid. Ever hear of the Tetris murders or the Denver Spider-Man or the underground satanic magazine Tuesday's Child? Didn't think so. We've got stories you won't hear anywhere else by two writers, producers, and comedians. We're LA 4s, but Wisconsin 7s. Hey, I'm from Wisconsin. Oh. 
I'm Rebecca Lieb. I'm Jason Horton. And this is Ghost Town. Available every Wednesday and Friday. Pause the podcast you're listening to right now and subscribe to Ghost Town. Wherever you get your podcasts. You're a Wisconsin 8. Hmm. This was a widely publicized case, so a few details will be changed, but the main part of this is accurate. A few years ago, I worked at a popular hookah lounge in my town. We had many regulars, so of course I got to know many people, and made some lasting friendships with a few. Among those regulars was a group of people I wasn't terribly fond of, except one girl, Rachel. Rachel was a kind girl who I enjoyed talking to. I just didn't approve of the people she hung out with, or the decisions she made. But this was her life, so what place did I have to say anything? Eventually, Rachel started dating another regular named Ben, who was part of my friend group. This is when we got a little closer and she started to trust me and confide in me more. Eventually, Rachel and Ben broke up, and it devastated Rachel. I clearly remember her messaging me to hang out and crying on my shoulder for half an hour. During their relationship, Rachel stopped hanging around the shady people as much. But of course, afterwards, she went back to them and started partying a lot and doing who knows what. She stopped talking to me as much and eventually started dating some other guy in the shady group named Greg. Of course, that relationship went south due to reasons unknown to me, but Rachel ended up filing for a restraining order against Greg. A few days later, Rachel went missing and was never heard from again. It was awful. Her family started showing up to talk to me, asking if I'd seen her. I had not, but apparently someone told them that she was seen downtown somewhere. It broke my heart. One day during a busy shift, someone we both talked to sometimes showed up and talked to me about Rachel's disappearance. His name is P.O.S. P.O.S. told me he had heard about her being seen somewhere and wanted to know what I knew about it. He even asked me if I'd heard if anything bad happened to her. I'm assuming he thought since I worked at a regular hangout spot of hers I would hear something. I told him I had not and we hugged before he walked off to talk to other people. Months passed before I heard anything about Rachel. Her family showed up from time to time asking about her, but nothing changed. Around a year after her disappearance, the police had a breakthrough in her case, and her body was found. After some investigating, the police discovered that Greg had hired POS to kill Rachel, and he did. He hid her body and continued life as usual. The fact that I spoke to P.O.S. after the fact and even hugged him still weighs on my conscience. It's been years and I'm still so upset about it. He's in prison and I'll likely never see him again, but it still hurts. I spoke to her family about her, having hugged the man who killed her. I wish I had been a better friend to her. Maybe I could have saved her. I could have insisted that she not hang out with those people. I don't blame myself for her murder, but I do wish I could have done something. Had I been a more insistent friend, maybe she'd still be here. Who knows, all I know is that for whatever reason, if I do ever see him again, it won't be a good thing for him. He knew she was dead and still asked me if I'd seen her or heard anything about her. So, P.O.S., I hope you suffer.
When you think of the Midwestern United States, what comes to mind? Strong work ethic, family-oriented, and church on Sundays. Monsters of the Midwest are two born-and-raised Midwestern Scorpios that are here to shed light and truth on America's heartland. We talk nature, nurture, and even the planetary alignments that paint out the gruesome timelines of the events we've come to know. What goes on inside a killer's mind? How do we get sucked into that cult? And what made that Midwestern housewife snap? Two cups murder, one half cup deception, a tablespoon of manipulation, and a dash of religion are the only four ingredients you'll need for the secret family recipe for a Midwestern casserole. And like my mom always said, remember the code of the Midwest. Don't talk to strangers. Don't go anywhere alone. Lock your damn doors. And as always, we'll see you next Tuesday. Five years ago, our family had a nasty issue occur. I'm only here today because my cats are the greatest pets ever. I lived with my mother until I was 18. Her family lived nearby and it wasn't uncommon for relatives to visit often. One of those relatives was my older cousin, Alan. He came by mostly on the weekends. Alan was a druggie and a drunk, but I treated him with the same respect and trust as I would anyone else in the family. Until one day. He came over to visit my mom and get some food. I'm sitting at the kitchen table doing homework. He walks over to talk to me and my kitten Luna flips. This is a two-month-old little black cat. Sweetest thing ever. She doesn't scratch or bite. She's perfect. But when Alan approaches, she lets out this unholy growl. The only thing I can compare it to is a dying, cornered animal. It scared the crap out of me. Alan keeps approaching. Luna, sitting by my feet, suddenly jumps onto the table, where she knows she isn't allowed, and arches her back. She puffs out her fur and snarls slash shrieks at him. Alan backs off and leaves without getting his food. Two minutes after he's gone, she's back to being my little angel. The same thing happened that next week, except this time I'm watching TV on the couch and Luna is in my lap. My other cat, Coco, is on the armrest. Alan shows up and tries to get near me. This time, both cats give an exorcist impression. I was horrified enough myself that I didn't dare move. Once again, Alan leaves. Immediately. Flash forward a month, I'm home alone. Alan knocks on our door and, being cautious, I answer with the chain on. He's asking for food and a shower. I tell him to come back when my mom is home. He doesn't even get a chance to respond. Luna wiggles out and begins to circle him, growling. He reaches down to grab her and she immediately goes for his hands. He has her for all of two seconds before she lets go and runs back inside. I slam the door and call my mom. She tells me to lock all the windows and if he knocks again, call the police. I check outside. Alan is gone. I remain on the alert until my mom gets home. He still isn't back. We go to sleep thinking all is fine. That night, my mom gets a call from her sister. Alan tried to kidnap my other cousin, Kelly. 
Not only that, the police went to his apartment after the attempt and found somebody in his tub. Dead. Things come to light after this. My cousin, who ran before being caught, wasn't just a druggie and a drunk. He was a murderer and a sex trafficker. And my cats knew. Not the facts, but they sensed what he was and protected me. I would be dead if not for them. Or worse. I don't know where Alan is now. My whole family is on the lookout for him. And not to take him to court. The person who shared this also shared a photo of their cats. So, if you follow our Instagram at Nightmare Society Radio, it'll be on there. And if you're on Patreon, we will put it up as a post. Um, even if you're not part of Patreon, you can go there and see it as well. It'll be open to the public. My cat likes to go outside every day. In the morning, he follows us to the door takes the elevator down with us and then goes about his day outside until we bring him back home again in the evening. Now, my cat isn't the most punctual guy, so it's pretty common for him to stay much later in the neighborhood, sometimes well into the night or for several days, or he gets bored and doesn't play for more than two hours and wants to get back inside. The problem is that we're not home, so he just has to wait. My family and I live in an apartment on the first floor, so my cat's solution is to sit under one of our balconies and meow at the top of his lungs to get our attention. When we're home, it works perfectly fine, but when we're not, it's a lot less effective. So our solution was to gently ask our neighbors that have the key to our apartment to bring him up so he doesn't have to wait outside all day. Those that don't have the key sometimes let him inside the building so he's not literally outside. For example, when it's raining. Our apartment is a bit special because it's bigger than the others, so to get inside there are two ways. In the main hall, you can take the stairs to the left and open the door that has two locks. Or two, use the elevator with the special key that goes directly inside our apartment, and the door only has one lock. The cat is used to the second option, and me too because we're both lazy. But when the neighbors that don't have the key let him inside the building, he goes up the stairs and waits. Since I usually use the elevator from the parking two floors below, that means I don't see him waiting in the hall and he meows outside the door to get me to open up for him, or my dad or my mom. All around we have our habits with my parents and neighbors and it works fairly well. Now you know how everything goes with my little guy. My parents like the outdoors very much, so I'm usually left alone in the weekends. Generally, it means taking care of the chores and inviting my friends over so we can have the apartment to ourselves, which is pretty nice. This time, I was alone. It was late, around 11 p.m.-ish, and I was just chilling in the living room before hearing meowing over the sound of the TV. Someone had let my cat in the building, and he's waiting outside the door. I took my keys and started opening the first lock. I don't know about other pet owners, but I know my cat meows by heart. It's kind of a very high-pitched and very cute meow that also has a specific rhythm, because I've been hearing it every day for nearly five years. So I stopped. The noise isn't what it usually is. It's too deep and just off. 
This isn't my cat outside my door. And he's the only cat around that knows he has to wait by the door and scream to be let inside. By that point, I had stopped halfway through opening the door and waited to hear him again, and noticed scratching. My cat never scratches that door. At that point, I'm super weirded out by the situation, but the meowing is getting super loud and I didn't want the neighbors to be woken up, so I continued with my key. But suddenly I heard another noise that freaked me out. (coughs) A cough. For the record, I'm not a very cautious person and in my whole 21 years of living in this apartment, I must have looked in the peephole a total of maybe five times. But a part of my brain told me to do it that night and thank God it did. So I let go of my keys and put my eye against the door and saw it. It was a man standing there meowing at my front door. To say that I was terrified is really an understatement, but my heart stopped. I just stood there, petrified for what felt like an hour. I don't really know how long it took for me to move again, but eventually my body just took over, I guess. I did what you would expect. Ran for my phone, stood in the corner of the living room and called the police. By the time they came, there was nobody in front of the door. I can't even remember when the meowing stopped. They just took my testimony before telling me to be cautious and left. To this day, I still don't know what that meowing guy wanted. I'm not sure I want to anyway. I also don't know how he got inside the building since you need a key to access it and he knew that I would open the door if he imitated my cat in front of it. At least I'll be careful from now on. Oh, and my cat eventually came back since then. He's sleeping in my bed as we speak. So, to the random meowing man at my front door, let's not meet. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time.